Hi, I'm Ashley Nichols. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan. And this is the Growing Democracy Podcast, a space for citizens, experts, and advocates to create community together. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about civic engagement, governance, and how to grow our democracy. This episode is part of our series on the power of political and civic engagement. We're talking with local elected officials, public officials, and community activists to learn more about what civic and political engagement means to them and how they are involved in their communities. If you want to be involved in the podcast and get behind the scenes content about each episode, you can head over to patreon.com slash growing democracy OH. You sure can. You absolutely should. So today, Ashley, we have a very special guest from the Akron area. Have we? We have had other Akron guests. A handful of Akron based. I think Alicia was Akron based. Right. right. I think. I think there are a couple more. But yes, you're right. We've we've tended toward more uh, further north in the Northeast Ohio region. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're stretching our our roots going towards Akron. Uh, We'll we'll invite LeBron James on next time. No, that's a joke, folks. I don't I don't think I don't think King James will come on anytime soon. But that would be great. (laughs) Uh, But but I'm really really excited uh, because we've looked at this organization several times before. um, But what really strikes me about this interview is you know, the discussion of the connections just between, you know, democracy and community and what a valuable resource, uh, you know, refugees and individuals that immigrate into the United States really are for, for building both of these things. Right. I think it was the, the conversation, um, just as kind of a primer, is really power, was really powerful to me. Um, coming from a background in community development, right? Like these conversations around community building and within group and out group conversations and, and, and the power of dialogue. I mean, so much of how I've come to understand democracy and, and community development, community organizing. But I think the ways in which our guests talk about kind of the intersections of of peace and democracy and as as really resting on this sense of community and, and community building, like kind of cross community building is, is really powerful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny because it, it reminded me, I, I always tell my students and, and my child and myself, you don't know what you don't know because it, right. you can't, you don't know what's even missing. Right. And that this, you know, kind of community building gives you an opportunity to, uh, you know, t- kind of take a peek behind the curtain to see, oh my gosh, this is a whole like world of, of things that didn't even uh, register in my purview before. And I just think it's such a powerful uh, way to think about how we can grow democracy. Yeah. And grow democracy, especially as, you know, kind of envisioned and, you know, acted on by immigrants and refugees and, and people who've been displaced from other places and are creating communities in the United States. I think it's a really powerful story. Absolutely. So I'm very excited to have our guest on today. Mahananda Luitel was born and lived in Bhutan, living with his parents until 1992. Due to the policy of ethnic cleansing by the royal government of Bhutan, one-sixth of the Nepali-speaking Bhutanese citizens were evicted from their country of birth. As a result, Mahananda 
became a refugee in Nepal for 18 years. He completed high school in Nepal and studied at Tribhuvan University for seven years. As a former refugee, he worked as a school teacher, principal, and a teacher trainer for three years. Mahananda was resettled in the U.S. in 2009, is now a U.S. citizen. He works at the International Institute of Akron and as, as a language instructor and is the elected president of the Greater Akron Hindu Sua Samati, a 501c3 organization founded in 2016. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Esther. This is a real pleasure to have you here today. We don't get a lot of folks from Akron organizations, so we're, we're really jazzed to have you here. So, Mahananda, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you. As uh, Asli just uh, read out uh, my about myself, let me just repeat and add a few more things. Uh, yes, I, I was originally born in Bhutan and I was a Bhutanese citizen until 1990. But uh, due to the policy of the government of ethnic, ethnic cleansing, because we were of a we follow different culture than the uh, the ruling class of the Bhutan government. And as a result of that, one-sixth of the population had to become refugees. And we had to take refuse in Nepal as refugees. So uh, I was, uh, I completed my high school in Bhutan and then continued my education up to master level in Nepal. Um, I went to university in Nepal, and then I was working as a school teacher in 1994. I was continuing my education as well as uh, uh, continuing my education as well as teaching in the refugee camp school as a volunteer teacher. And then uh, I worked as a teacher in a school, sorry, a school in charge, who is also responsible like a school principal for two years, and then in a school resource teacher who had to give a training to the teaching bodies. And then uh, I left the refugee camp uh, for five years. I went outside of the refugee camp and I worked as a school principal in high school uh, for four years. And then I came back to Nepal and we had one central office. I worked as a RT resource teacher where there were seven refugee camps uh, there were many high schools and middle schools who had to go to different schools, observe the teachers teaching, uh, conduct workshops and seminars, uh, recruit uh, teachers, head teachers, and other in-school resource teachers. So that kind of thing I was doing until resettled in U.S. in 2009. So then since 2011, I started working as a language instructor and a medical interpreter at the International Institute of Akron. Uh, so far, I've been working, and um, in 2019, June 14, I was elected as a president of Greater Akron Hindu Seva Samiti, and ever since, I'm working as a president of the community, as well as a language instructor at IIA. Your story is really powerful, and, and so much of it is about education, right, <laughs> about, about building community through education is what I'm hearing you say. Can you tell us a little bit 
first about what the International Institute of Akron is. What what is this organization so that our listeners understand kind of the the role that you play as a language? International Institute of Akron is one of the oldest organization in Greater Akron in North Hill that has a history of more than 100 years, which is which has been continuously irrespective of any government uh, in the White House or in U.S., this agency has been so vocal, so supportive for especially immigrants and refugees and as well as to the local communities. That's why this is an organization that imparts, that give high importance to education to refugees and immigrants who come to this country who lack English language skills, who lack like financial literacy classes. That is one of the areas of International Institute of Akron. Likewise, uh, resettlement is an Another department that we have many case managers, um, people, asylees and refugees, we treat alike and uh, we give them the training, we give them the orientation, how to survive in this country, job orientation, life skills and financial literacy, English language classes, this kind of short term classes and long term classes. Also, we look for the job and we help them apply job and check uh, whether they are okay with the job. That is another department. Likewise, we have interpreting department. There are refugees from Afghanistan, from Pakistan, all over the globe, and uh, they are nervous to this advanced country. Uh, they, they have no transportation. They have no language skills to survive. They, they, they don't have a uh, like uh, professional equivalency in this country. As a result of that, there is an, another area, uh, department that takes care of that. And also, once they need to apply for a green card for citizenship, or also sometimes to need, uh, they need to advocacy, like someone is uh, in a legal constraint, in a challenge, uh, they are to be deported or something because of no reasons. In that case, it is the International Institute of Akron that supports the communities. And besides that, there is also, uh, there are uh, people in a very vulnerable conditions due to mental health issues, like a single moms, uh, there are different areas. So we have a different case managers to tackle those kind of things. And uh, there are cases that our case managers just take care of for three months for active service. And then uh, gradually we make them sustain themselves. That is one. And other, there are other uh, people who need a longer term of services for five years. So these are some of the areas that we do. And we have a uh, Executive Director Madhu Sharma and many directors and other people in the organization who are actively involved. Even during the time of COVID-19, they have been donating like uh, N95 masks and other lot of public engagement this organization has been doing. Now, a lot of our listeners aren't in Northeast Ohio. <laughs> and and so for, for them, and actually for myself too, why Akron, Ohio? I mean, I think people kind of assume, uh, right, that there are pl much more uh, large places like New York City or Chicago, right? But Akron is a relatively small community. What it, what was it about Akron, Ohio, that uh, the International Institute said this is this is the place we're gonna we're gonna uh, settle? Actually, as I said, it has a history of uh, hundred years. 
Columbus has a like similar organization in every state. There are this country, as far as I know, this country is a country of immigrants and refugees. Oh yeah, we all whether we are Asian or African or European, our long history goes back to uh, like um, either Europe or East Asia or Southeast Asia, any countries. So this country has been facing this as a problem, as a humanitarian issues, uh, like uh, sometimes uh, de natural disaster, sometimes the war, sometimes artificially created uh, uh, situations because of the difference of language and culture. So maybe um, the founding fathers of this organization, I think uh, they were so uh, insightful, they were so... Uh, particular that uh, this is one of the issues this country is facing. So the founding fathers had taken initiative to address this humanitarian crisis, this uh, immigrants and refugees crisis. That's why they had started. And even today, it is very relevant. Whatever the government, government comes and goes every four years. But the human issues, the humanitarian issues still persist. And there is no a way out, immediate way out for this one. So that is, that's why continuity of education, the continuity of service has to be continued as long as the human race survives. That's why I think uh, the importance of International Institute lies in the heart of human service. Yeah, I love that. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the the greater Akron Hindu Suasamiti? What is, what is that and what is it that your role is there? Thank you so much for that question. I love to answer that <laughs> question as well. Yes, uh, Greater Akron Hindu Seva Samiti. In Greater Akron, we assume we do not have an accurate data, but based on the different researches, we assume we have at least 15,000 population of former Bhutanese refugees who have resettled in uh, Greater Akron area county and within its periphery. So now when the resettlement started in 2008, uh, in Greater Akron, like in other states, Greater Akron also started receiving the first group of Bhutanese refugees from Nepal from 2008, April, March, April, that was the time. So now when the people came to this country, they were almost culturally shocked. They had no information about uh, culture. They had no information about the local lives. They had no information. They, they had no skills driving. So they had no driving. They had no communication. They had no job. They, and they were always soft. They were almost like in a very thick jungle. They were lost. So although International Institute is such an agency that has been helping, but for the local need, because International Institute doesn't, did not resettle only the Bhutanese refugees. There were refugees from all over the different parts of the world. And as a result of that, we felt that we have to initiate ourselves. So the Bhutanese, former Bhutanese refugees, we have a communities like Kirat, we have a Buddhist, we have Christians, uh, we have Hindus. And uh, Hindus also have a very big chunk of population like other uh, religious groups in the North Hill area. And as a result of that, we have a distinct culture, we have a distinct language and identity. So what the um, our founding fathers in Greater Akron, what we felt was like, uh, unless we 
have a place or a space to communicate, to understand there will be no growth and development. As a result of that, to address and follow our language, our culture, our religion, and on top of that, uh, to create a space so that other cultures could also be understood. We have a high rate of uh, like uh, mental health issues in the past in the Buddhist community. Like many research have been done and high rate of suicide because of family separation, because of becoming a refugee in a long time and because of the evictions. Those psychological, those trauma could not be eradicated, could not be get ridden off within overnight. That's why we wanted to listen to the people more closely, focusing with that community. That's why we started and also we wanted to grow with other community and to have a cohesion uh, so that we share our things to others and we also understand others' point of views. That's why with the goal of supporting the community in a very stronger manner, we have started this non-profit organization and it has been wonderfully uh, doing till date. Now, so it sounds like this is really a community of support where folks that face the same kind of barriers and hurdles and, and experiences when adjusting to, you know, uh, resettling in a new place can kind of get together and learn from one another, or commiserate. Uh, what would you say are some of the kind of most prominent barriers that, that refugees face when, when they're resettled here in the U.S.? First thing is there are certain things that comes to my mind. Number one is uh, language, mm. because the adult uh, former refugees, now most of them are citizens of this country. They are responsible citizens of this country. These people are very peaceful people. But uh, when they come to this country, language is the main hindrance, obstacle to progress. Whether it, uh, Then uh, the root is the language, and then goes to culture, and then goes to like uh, driving skills, lack of driving skills. Uh, then also a kind of isolation, feeling of isolation. Never see a different face, a different color, a person who is also due to the cultural difference, like the way we greet is different, the way we talk is different, language itself is a barrier. Even someone educated person who knows the language lacks the cultural knowledge. As a result of that, even your immediate neighbor sometimes would think otherwise differently because they don't know these people are talking differently, that people are greeting differently, they don't understand each other. So there is a chances of tension. And as a result of that, maybe a cultural shock and isolation, and they are not very uh, bold enough to face interviews for a job. And as a result of that, even they are not open to the health staff or medical doctors because the cultural differences, medical, uh, like, for example, in the hospitals, uh, like here in the U.S., if someone, a young girl or a man uh, could openly talk about the sexual issues and diseases, and th th that could be addressed. I, I, I could see that uh, through the televisions and everywhere. But... Uh, we are a little bit of different culture. Also, the political things, the government dictated and dominated for such a long time because of the difference of the culture and language. And as a result of that, people don't dare courage to look straightly at your face and speak. But in the meantime, 
the medical doctors or whether it is an employer, when you don't look at directly at the face and talk, when you don't do a very right way of doing the handshake, then they would think this person is guilty of something. Maybe this person is a drug addict. Maybe this person might have been in a physical assault somewhere, assaulted somebody or maybe something. So the cultural concept, the cultural upbringing is completely different as a result of that. Also lack of education. These are some of the things that ruins the mental health conditions. That's why we, we saw a lot of suffering in the community. So, you know, when, when you're working in these locations, whether it's the International Institute or more specifically the Hindu um, Suasamiti, so much of what you're talking about is community building within kind of this very specific community of refugees, but also kind of building relationships um, within the broader Akron and greater Akron region, right? But we're talking to you in the midst of a pandemic. We're more than a year into COVID-19. And, you know, one of the things you're talking about is one of the major issues that, that people are experiencing is, is isolation. And COVID in so many ways has exacerbated issues of isolation, right? Simply because, you know, we it's really hard to get together and build those one-on-one relationships. Can you talk us through how your organization has kind of navigated the pandemic and sought to continue to do the work that you do? Thank you so much. Uh, yes, this is, I feel, this is another very relevant question. COVID-19 is still existing and it ha- this has become a threat to the humanity, has taken a lot of lives. Now let me talk about this COVID-19 and how we serve the community. First of all, like uh, when we were refugees in Nepal, the v- very bitter, ex- bitter experience of our life is always relying on someone's support for our survival, like UNHCR other UN agencies, US, Japan, and different, different countries supported us for our survival for a long time, for almost 25 years in Nepal. So uh, we didn't have a citizenship. Uh, We were in a refugee status and the, the local people treated very differently to the refugee population, as well as we had to rely on UNHCR handouts for our survival. And nothing could be much bitter than relying on someone, a very young and active man and a woman had to rely on someone for his or her survival, to the whole family survival. And there was no identity for refugees. And uh, when I, I just think of the Second World War time when the, uh, the Jewish population was uh, treated differently that time at the hand of Hitler's, People were identified as just as the numbers. And that was a different case. So likewise, almost refugees didn't have citizenship. And we, we had no, like, those uh, civic rights in the country in Nepal. And we had to rely on UNHCR. That was a very bitter experience. We, we always wished we could do something by ourselves. So when we came to this country, when we founded our organization, and my committee especially, I'm the president and I have six people in the executive team and we have the advisory body. We realize this is a very critical time to serve who we are. And it is a time to pay debt. Not the exactly the same community who supported us, but wherever we are, 
so that was our sole motto human service because service to mankind is service to god so keeping that as the um, number one slogan it is a slogan in our banner also that's why ha, we were looking and that could be a very appropriate time because in a normal situation if you do something people will easily forget it but in a difficult time we know the friends in diversity rather than in prosperity so it's a very diverse situation very difficult challenging situation so what we thought was yes it is a difficult time it is a right time to pay the debt because we felt it was a debt that back in nepal we had to rely on other organizations for our support so now we are a citizen of this country we have certain responsibilities so that's why what can we do we felt it and number one priority we gave it to the suma health system that time how we wanted to we created mask for 5000 mask and then we started uh, donating first and the, some of the community people you know it's a very big community people started saying why not to the community but to the hospital question was arose and our answer was very simple these nurses and doctors are life savers they save life they face all that critical situation irrespective of any people of any nationalities any religious or cultural background they treat they give service to, for the sake of mankind for humanity service they they do not they are not after religion or culture or politics or parties or anything that is why we felt if we could do something put little bit of ointment to these doctors and nurses through our services charitable services then they would be strong enough and once they are strong and when we are risk they will be the people to make us survive so that was the motto and that's why we donated the mask we we did a online fundraiser we we collected some amount and then we paid uh, also to our seamstresses and then all of those masks we submitted as uh, like donated to first phase of mask went to suma health system then second group uh, then the second address we thought it is also our community there are people uneducated and illiterate people they need mask so that is why we supported to our community to the public more than 250 families on three different occasions then we went to no our community is not only thing because there are some other areas we have to support then we went to the homeless shelters and we took face shield uh, gloves and hand sanitizers Uh, some we collected through different individuals some through donation some we purchased and then we donated to different home cell, uh, homeless shelters so after that also to the local um, other organizations and agencies uh, we we supported them so that was the first thing we did and second thing was also we made a press release and uh, we through the akron beacon journal we informed the people because there was also a political tag sometimes you know this disease is brought from some countries particular countries maybe from asia and maybe from something we wanted to get rid of that tag that's why we had a double responsibility to the local community has to know where this organized community is and also we need to update and educate our own people uh, what covid-19 is if we are careless how we will make other sufferers so that's why we made many brochures and pamphlets and we distributed to different community centers we visited different homes 
uh, we made a like um, Facebook uh, page uh, videos, live videos, appeal to the people. This is so and so, and uh, we cancelled all of our in-person services before um, the state uh, government did one day before that. That was especially quoted by the Akron Beacon Journal. Also, we did it, and then. We needed certain creativity. So to have the creativity, we started like uh, online classes, the GED classes for those uh, men and women who could not complete their high school level of education back in Nepal or in US because of different reasons who could not complete, who couldn't graduate. We get the first opportunity. Still, the program is going on. And then uh, health and hygiene were some of the issues we started doing uh, continuously. Many people, in one case, 25 thousand people watch the videos, many hundred uh, share their videos. So that was one of the things. And many occasions we did that. And also we donated like boots, winter boots and clothing and that kind of things. There are families like um, our organization during the COVID time, there is a restriction to go to the funeral home. We had to educate the people. And as an organization head, we I led there the like the prayers during the death funeral time, prayers. And then we donated, many families, we donated this uh, hand sanitizers and masks because we have a culture of visiting the grieving families. So almost 13 days it takes. So that's why we, we took those uh, masks, face shield and everything, whatever we had, and we support it uh, to these uh, families in need, in dire need. And not only that, grieving families need some budget uh, for a funeral, to meet the funeral cost and for other expenses in the family. Uh, there, there will be a priest reading and they pay to the priest and a lot of other things. That's why we did an online fundraiser and whatever amount we collected, we completely with the receipt, we handed over to those grieving families for, to meet the funeral cost, we did it to immediately have the families like rations. Uh, many families received rations. And this is not only to the Hindu community. It could be Kirat, it could be Buddhist, it could be Christian. Any community, whoever approached us, whoever we saw, whoever we know, we, 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 we have them that way. And not only that, sometimes during the gathering time, like, uh, uh, like uh, when the family is observing the death rituals or something, there will be relatives and friends coming to express their sorrow, express their condolences. So during that time, we also had written the uh, letters to the community, the, uh, the immediate neighborhood and informed so-and-so thing is taking place in that family. Please understand so-and-so. Also, in a number of cases, we reported to the police department or the city council that this is taking place in this community. We need your attention. That kind of thing, very minute. And Many people died, we lost our uh, close ones, our community people, any person, any individual loss of life is after all, it's a big loss. That's why we had a Kirat, we had a Buddhist and a Christian pastors and Hindus. We all expressed our solidarity to support and we expressed our prayers and prayers for the early recovery of those sufferers. And we also express our condolence uh, like express our prayer, prayers in the name of those who died during COVID-19. So these kind of things, educational classes and philanthropic work, uh, not only that, during the COVID time only, we had the sewing project and we started the sewing project and 110 people we employed, 110 families, different families. And 
our organization, all of the executive body work in volunteer basis. So we had to train and tra giving a training to the people. More than 90 people were training. And we had to collect the sewing machines uh, through different uh, initiatives, uh, collect some donations, and we purchased some machines. And we, had, we kept a relation with one of the companies in Solon. And then we started giving them job. And the, what kind of job? Part-time job, full-time job, quarter-time job, any job, any time. They could work from home. They could work at our center. And also those who don't have machines, we, we provided them the sewing machines. They took their homes and they're working. So this is the last week they will be working in this project and we're planning to bring other projects. Very near future, we'll be bringing in the project. So that's why uh, many people got the job opportunity. COVID is a difficult time, as I said, but people had the, they were mentally engaged in a very creative work. They had the lifelong skills now for, for their self-empowerment, for financial independence, uh, for a community engagement, people are not only Hindus. Hindu is an organizer only, but it is for all people that people have been working and they have been so grateful for this event. So, so these kind of things, employment was one section we did it. Before our uh, public schools started these virtual classes, two months before we started this um, online classes, GED classes and other, other classes. Now we have a tutoring program for middle school and high school students. Tutoring program, math and reading that's going on. So these are the things, some of the things I could tell you. Not only that, also during uh, election time, we supported to that uh, Census Bureau, like um, informing the people, the telling the people what is the importance of being counted. Uh, how people could be counted and then also filling out absentee ballots and reporting that to the particular department that we did uh, in a mass number. Not only that, with the Akron Public Health Department, we had a partnership and then we made many videos, live videos, and we posted and people could go for a COVID screening. So these kind of things we did uh, during this COVID time because only with one intention, human service, irrespective of any nationalities or any background, service to mankind is service to God. That is the sole motto we had. Yeah, I mean, you, it sounds like you really all came together as a community. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's such a fantastic reaction. I mean, talk about making lemonade out of lemons. It sounds like you were you were really successful in that. So now I'm also curious, part of your mission statement for the Suicimiti looks to act as a bridge and build healthy and mutually re respectful relationships with other communities. I mean, I think your description right there showcases how how you guys have done this. Uh, you've also made it a point to invite you know non-Bhutanese community uh, members to events like your Teach Festival. Yes. Um, Not only that. Sorry, sorry for interruption. Let me tell you, although it might be too early, but I could tell you that we are already planning for this event. And uh, that is now. Uh, first thing is, in a three different level, we are planning to integrate this community. What are those levels? Number one, in a personal level, keeping a relation. That is why, that is one of the reasons why I'm talking with you. That is, that is why with the, whether it is a Rotary Club, whether it is Akron Community Foundation, whether it is Akron University, whether it is Asia Inca International Institute, whether it is other local churches and mosque, whatever it is, 
because we as individuals is very challenging to have a peace unless until and unless we keep a good relation with all communities and understand each other there's a first thing in a personal level in the level of agencies now the third phase we are also very soon hosting a program like that is for people of all faiths like we will have a christian leaders we'll have a muslim leaders we have a buddhist leader we have a hindu leader we'll bring to the same table and we're going to talk and understand where is the diversity where is the unity can we work together yes we we preserve and protect our certain cultural things and religious things but um, more than the humanity comes first then comes the language and other things that's why to understand as a human beings to understand the human need the sorrow pain love affection generosity uh, death and birth these are all same everywhere that's why we are planning and within this summer we are doing that so that's why uh, the goal is to make community stronger whatever capacity and strength we have to act at the age of 90 i will not be able to do those things when i was a teenager that was impossible so strike the iron when it is hot this is a right time the country the nation is sometimes we have watched the news television news and heard in the radios that different kind of conflicts so the leadership also have to stand together we have to stand together we should give a message to the people who we are not to prove someone superiority or inferiority but who we are and how we can grow together so because this is now no none of the countries in the world are very individualistic and singular identity and the whole globe cannot be rearranged or reset so this is a real existence pakistanis are there afghanis are here bhutanese are there congolese are here uh, europeans are here russians are here chinese are here so we can't uh, alter this diversity only what we can de- uh, do is how we can serve better with a very uh, broader understanding of each other cultures languages and feelings and you know the 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 work that you're doing around community building i think is incredibly powerful and you know especially multiracial multiethnic cross in, interreligious uh, community building that you all are doing is really powerful we also know that in this moment we are we are seeing an uptick in anti-asian violence in the united states uh, in particular what can communities do to to counter this anti-asian violence especially given the complications of covid yes thank you is a very kind of a serious uh, concern and a question that we all experience and sometimes even in the community level we talk our heart our hearts get shattered when these kind of violence take place in the country where we have taken shelter refuse it is not uh, although so what we feel is it is also kind of upbringing sometimes whether it is in the family level or whether it is in the particular community that the um, community dwellers live or reside so to get 100% a perfect society 
could be just uh, not may not be possible because there are people of different things. But our initiation, our initiative, we think is also a, a dialogue. And like, let's say today, one family of Congolese families, or maybe any, maybe any any people of any nationality suffer. And if we don't raise our voice, if we don't express, like uh, that is a crime, that is a violence. If we are not, if we don't dare courage to speak out, then certainly I might have to meet the same fate the next day. That is why. So, uh, we should not be just giving high concern to my only one community or my family. That is why we need to step out and think broader, think globally and act locally. So, so a global thought must prevail. And so first thing is the initiative dialogue that we are already doing. The second thing is also certain activities, certain programs we will be launching uh, to bring people together and work in a particular project so that we understand each other. We don't look very differently in that we'll develop a certain tendencies to work a very common culture and uh, a dialogue, expressions of our opinions or feelings when such thing takes place, advocate in favor of unity in diversity. These are some of the things from our organization side, even from the international institute side, we all have been doing. And we hope the educators, the university professors, the students, the school teachers from everywhere, we should do otherwise, we will see more violence. We do not want to see loss of lives, whether it is in a school or whether it is in a community, that is a tragedy. We do not, because everyone's, the parents, the husband, the wife, mother, father, they will be shedding tears. And that is irreparable loss very permanent loss in life. That's why we take it very seriously. We discourage such things. We do not want to see any such rules. If such things happens, there are certain channels, like maybe if there are chances of violence anywhere, we report to the police department. Now, um, Greater Akron, even in the police department, there are people from our community now as a police officers. So we are also already working, like now the Akron Public, uh, Police Department is opening a big hiring for the police officer's job. What I did as a partnership, our organization, we posted their link through our page. And at least some of the people have already applied. Whether it is a Nepalese speaking or an American or a, any, any nationalities, because this is a joint venture, we need to support. They are the people to safeguard, uh, to take care of our safety. They are the people we call when we are in danger. That's why already keeping a relationship with the police department, already keeping a relationship with the health department, already we had a several round of, I had a talk with the Stowe, Monroe Falls, Kaiga Falls, Akron School District. I had a communication during the COVID-19 time to understand how as a community we can help the school district. That was the thing. That's why Communication, communication, communication. That is of utmost importance and a good intention also. Uh, with a good intention, uh, extending relationship is very crucial in the leadership side, from the leadership side. That's why uh, ultimately the public will also gain. That's why we invited last time two televisions and I talked with them. They were so supportive. And uh, in January, we had a, with the radio program, uh, our GD program and other things, we talked with the radio uh, we shared the same, uh, same platform where the governor was talking and after that 
um, our people were talking on the same platform and sharing. That is why in so many newspapers we go to show we are we exist here and also to show what our intentions are, what our goals are, to clarify and to reach more public, more people, and to make the world much broader. I love how much community you've built around you. Uh, I mean, I think this is just so fantastic, and I'm so glad that you came on. Are there any words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners uh, before we let you go? Finally, I would like to say that, really, uh, I would like to reiterate, uh, just to repeat, there are, uh, like, even if my body, uh, like, uh, when I closely observe my eyes and uh, the body parts, my organs, uh, right hand is little bit stronger than the left hand. My right eyesight is a little bit powerful than the left ear. What I mean to say is, when we see at a glance, yes, there is a diversity, but but always the survival is possible with a motto of unity. So that's why unity is much more stronger. Although there is diversity, but uh, we are working to create a better unity for our existence, for our peaceful living, and not only for a toleration, but also for a for a for a very loving environment and appreciation. So that's why let's work together. Let us uh, share our thoughts and opinions, and let us strong stand strong and give an example to the future generations. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate uh, Hesley and Kishi for uh, the time given and for giving me the opportunity to share some of our programs, our thoughts, all these things. Uh, You have a wonderful time ahead. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Growing Democracy Podcast. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan, and with me as always is my co-host, Ashley Nichols. Our podcast is produced by David Yursa. Our merch is designed by Donuts and Coffee. And our podcast is edited by Jeremy Demery at Golden Ox Studio, right here in Cleveland, Ohio. We're supported by the American Political Science Association and our Patreon patrons. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, growingdemocracyoh.org. If you want to support the show, as well as get access to behind-the-scenes content, live chat, swag, and more, head over to patreon.com slash growingdemocracyoh. Join us next time when we continue this conversation about filling the gaps.